It's the Knox Comedy Podcast. Knox Comedy Podcast. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Matt Ward and this is the Knox Comedy Podcast, Episode 3. So we're going to cover some of the events happening in October, as well as play clips from comedians Baron Vaughn, uh, locals uh, Tyler Sonicson, and Trey Crowder. In this episode, we also have interviews with Greg Barrett from the Walking the Room Podcast. Uh, we also have an interview with Heather Thompson and Brian Cook from Derek Sheen's Angry Snuggles Comedy Tour, and an interview with Jeff Blank talking about the history of comedy in Knoxville. First off, we're going to have a clip from Tyler Sonicson, recorded live at The Well on Friday, October 4th. I know that not everyone does support gay marriage, but if you don't, have an argument that makes any sense at all. Like, just do yourself and everyone else a favor. How many times have I heard this one? Hey, man, if we let the gays get married, next thing you know, people are going to want to marry dogs and bears. <laughs> yeah, I've thought this through. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Like, in the history of civil rights in this country... Was there, like, for example, when Jackie Robinson was breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball, was there someone at Ebbets Field with an argument that stupid against civil rights? Just like, hey, if we let the black man play baseball, next thing you know, dogs and bears are going to want to play baseball, man. (laughs) Here's the hole in that theory. That would be the greatest thing to ever happen. Just nine innings of animals mauling each other. That would be so much more fun than baseball. I would play top dollar to see the Chicago literally Cubs play play the Detroit literally Tigers. Like... Now we're going to get right to an interview with Greg Barrett from the Walking the Room podcast. And this is Greg Barrett talking about how getting on the road as a new comic can benefit you and uh, help you decide if comedy is for you. So this is Greg Barrett. I want to ask you out of your personal experience, what do you think is the most beneficial thing of getting out of your hometown and doing comedy in other places uh, to improve as a comic? Well, I mean... I think you really will learn whether you want to do comedy or not, because that's really what the gig is, and I think there's nothing more exquisite than sucking by yourself somewhere that you don't know anybody and seeing if you can fucking handle it. You know, it's one thing I think everybody imagines, like, I'm going to go on the road, and I'm going to tour, and I'm going to do comedy, and you sort of imagine going to rooms and slaying and making money and getting laid and all that kind of stuff, and, and then, you know, it's just not like that. It's a tough fucking life. I mean, I think the life is almost harder. You know, people think that, that, that stand-up is hard. The job, I mean, the, the act of doing it. And I think it's what we have to do. The isolation, the, uh, the you know, those early days where you drive $600 for 50 fucking bucks. 600 miles for 50 bucks, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, it's just, I think it's just the road helps you decide whether you want to do it or not. 
you know. Also gives you an indication of what it's like to perform for the rest of the world. Because if you're in an urban area, there's comedy that you can do, and then you go out to places where people think differently and, you know, live differently and have a different set of priorities, and you have to see if you can communicate with them too. So I think there's some virtue to being on the road, just not for too long. you got to blend it with a lot of doing, you know, stuff at home. you got to mix it up. Now, um, when you first got started doing comedy, yeah. uh, what was... That was before Light. <laughs> when was it exactly? I did my first set on February 28, 1989. Okay, so it was kind of the comedy boom... It was the or end of the, the comedy, end of the comedy boom. Boom. It was sort of the end of it. It was it was the end of it because all the clubs started closing right around that time. Like the first year, yeah. first or second year I was doing it, I was I was opening, going on the road and making a living. And two years later, I was on my way to featuring and had to get a job. Like it changed really rapidly. Now going back to talking about um, getting on the road and that making you decide whether you can do this or not. Do you remember when you first got on the road and having an experience kind of both directions, having a positive experience and then having a negative experience and then finally going, yeah, I want to do this? Yeah, because I would, I realized after, I did one time I went and I, I drove uh, from San Francisco to Fresno to host an air band contest for college, Fresno State, and I walked out on stage and they just started throwing shit at me before I even opened my mouth. And then I had to host the show for the rest of the night. And all, the entire time, every time I walked on stage, they just booed and threw shit and called me names and all that shit. And it was about as bad as it can go. And I had no defense for it. You know, you can't, you can handle one heckler. You can't really handle a thousand. So, um, and then I drove home and I went, well, I lived through that. I'm alive. It's cool. It was an airband contest. I can fucking do this. You know, I, I get so, more... So a negative experience made you realize, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Positive experiences are like, you know, those are more like, fuck, I'm good, dude. I got some... I'm My shit is mad. Like, you know, you have these good sets sometimes and you get these delusions of like, I'm like the great communicator, man. I can really like put my ideas across. But a shitty set really lets you know how good you actually are and what needs improving. And then... The thing for me that I liked was that long fucking drive home to think about it. Where in the first probably, the first 10, 15 miles, I was quitting comedy. And by the time I got home, I was like thinking of new shit. You know, how do you get better? How do I, what do I, what did I do wrong? If there was one thing that you could impress upon young comics that they may not have, that they may not have heard or that you wish you had heard early on, what would it be? I don't know. I mean, it's comedy reveals itself to you when you do it, and you just can't you can't give somebody the experience of having done it over time. The thing that's different about comedy than say music. So a band spends a lifetime making that first record. It's everything that they've ever worked on as musicians, and they go out and they put it down and they make it. But comics work on stage. You can't practice comedy. You can only do comedy. Writing at home is great, whatever. It's not doing comedy. You can only have the experience. You learn 100% on the job. And um, and so if you're comfortable with that and comfortable with the fact that as good as you think you are, you will be better later on if you are paying attention to this and you want it bad enough. Mm-hmm.
And that was Greg Barrett from the Walk in the Room podcast. Some helpful advice for young comics. Now we want to play a live clip uh, from someone we have coming to town here at the end of the month on October Wednesday, October 30th at the Pilot Light. We have Baron Vaughn. So this is a clip from Baron Vaughn. I am black and you're welcome. And I, I prefer black if you're going to address me by race. And I know you <laughs> in a conversation. Like you can't just come up to me and be like, black! Run away. Did he hear it? <laughs> I love this game. Not a big fan of African American. It's just not efficient. It's way too many syllables. Like if we're walking through a forest and we don't know each other's name and it's just filled with quicksand traps, I don't know why we're there. Deleted scenes are lost. And we're just walking through and you fall into quicksand and you try to be politically correct, you're gonna die. If you fall into quicksand, uh, excuse me, African American, you're not gonna get that out. But if you're like, black, I'm there with the rope. And then I pull you to safety. Oh, thank you, black. You are the blackest black of blackdom. And then I push you back in. That was just too far. <laughs> I had weird feelings about African American. Once I did this, sh- I did this uh, like panel, and I was the only black person on the panel. And uh, the audience was half black. So naturally, the first question was, excuse me, why is he the only black person on the panel? And the moderator, who was a white woman, did this. She's like, that is a good question. He is the only... (laughs) African-American on the panel. And I was like, oh my God, she just called me nigger with a pause. Because she did have to think of everything she shouldn't say. Right? That is a good question. He is the only, not that, not that, not that, not that, (laughs) definitely not that, African-American on the panel. (laughs) There are a lot of things I like about the word nigga. Like the silence that usually follows it. It's really useful. That's why they should say it in libraries. (laughs) People will be quiet as shit. Let me just read Jane Austen here. Nigger. <gasps> it wasn't me. <laughs> and you just hire Ving Rames to walk around. People will be really scared and really quiet. <laughs> you just heard from Baron Vaughn. He will be at the Pilot Light on Wednesday, October 30th. Tickets are $8.50 in advance or $10 at the door. And you can get them at knoxcomedy.com. Now we'd like to play an interview with Heather Thompson and Brian Cook who recently came to town with Derek Sheen on the Angry Snuggles comedy tour. So this is Heather Thompson and Brian Cook uh, being interviewed talking about uh, touring in the South and some helpful things for young comics. Introduce yourself and then um, talk about the tour that you're on briefly. Um, Hi, I'm Heather Thompson. I'm on the Angry Cuddles Comedy Tour with Brian Cook and Derek Sheen. It's a tour that's about a week and a half where we went through the South and performed at a bunch of cool alternative non-club venues and ate so much Southern food. Um, I'll I'll never need to eat again. I'm just a walking biscuit at this point. (laughs) Uh, Brian Cook, also on the Angry Cuddles Comedy Tour. Uh, Our our third compatriot had to fly out this morning to get his... uh, gout and diabetes treated for having spent the last 11 days in the south as well but uh, we had a great time we just wrapped it up last night here in Knoxville 
at the Pilot Light with Matt Ward and company. Um, tell me about your experience in the South. Uh, my experience has been pretty good. Uh, I bought a hand fan on the first day, and I've been waving that around. <laughs> um, it's it's basically what I pictured. I mean, it's, it's sunny and uh, people are pretty nice, and uh, I've been able to get some good sweet potatoes and fried chicken, and I really like Bojangles. Uh, I did not expect to see so many racist mammy cookie jars. <laughs> Racist mammy cookie jars? Yeah. 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 Like the big... Like the ones that are just basically like black and... The big fat black lady cookie jar. Oh, yeah. Kind of a... Kind of a black face looking face, for lack of a better... Yeah. Just, you know, those old-timey racist, like salt and pepper shakers and cookie jars. Did you have any surprises being in the South that maybe you didn't expect? Um, no, but I also don't feel like we saw much you know what I mean like we're in a car or a hotel or on stage and maybe hit like a bar afterward and a restaurant before so we had some long drives the last couple days weren't as bad so we got to see a little bit more around uh, Chattanooga and Nashville because we had a day off in Nashville oh yeah Um, Nashville's a great city it was cool man we we lucked out our our show was okay but we lucked out with uh, it was we were up against Breaking Bad oh yeah yeah that was a yeah. We had an open mic that night. That was a rough open mic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we managed to find a spot that was showing it at like 10 o'clock that night, like projecting on the back wall of a uh, record store. And there was a barbecue joint next door that was amazing. And there was like a BYOB thing. So it was a perfect situation in like the hip, up and coming East Nashville neighborhood. We, yeah. had a good, we had a good time. Then we just dicked around the day after. But the rest, of, well, New Orleans, we had two days. Yeah. So we got to mess around in New Orleans, but the rest of it was just like. Had you? You hadn't down. been to New Orleans. No, I had, and I love you? New Orleans. I'd been twice, but both times, pretty much in and out. So you got to spend some time this time. Yeah, a little bit. We were there for for two days, so I got got a little bit more time in. Um, but I love it there. It's great. What are um, for the comics that um, are looking to eventually get out there on the road and tour. Um, what are some suggestions you would have in terms of preparing yourself as a comedian for being in all these alternative rooms, all these different types of sometimes a bar, sometimes a, a little backroom theater? What would you say that is the best thing for them to do to prepare? Um, probably perform at a lot of different venues to begin with in the area that they're at so that they sort of have a feel for like, okay, well, this is a really intimate space or this is like you know, the opposite of an intimate space. And also just try and be like laid back and roll with the punches as much as you can be. Cause you're going to show up and you're going to be like, Oh crap. Like this right. is not what I had in mind, but sometimes you only have so much control over it. And sometimes it ends up being fine or great, even though it didn't seem like it was going to go that way. So just know like some of it's just out of your hands, try and have a good attitude. Drink. Yeah, that's, that's what that he helps does. a lot. Yeah, booze. Uh, Heather's definitely right. A lot. I think a lot of the shows that we showed up to it on this tour, it would have been very easy to be like, well, this is going to be a disaster and write it off completely, and none of them were. Like, even maybe the worst show we had was still, like, a reasonable comedy show as far as the number of people who came out and paid attention. and uh, All the audiences were... were sitting staring straight ahead watching us you know we didn't have any rooms full of people talking over it or texting or you know 
And a couple of drunks here and there, of course, you're going to get that. But for the most part, we had really good experiences, even with uh, relatively small turnouts, because none of us are famous. And that was Heather Thompson and Brian Cook. Uh, now we want to play a, a live clip. This is Trey Crowder live September 25th at The Well, opening for Shane Moss. Listen up, my name's Trey Crowder, and I have some advice for every person in this room right now. Listen to me. If you can't run with the big dogs, maybe try running with fat people instead. Dogs are fast, man. Don't beat yourself up over it. That's all I'm saying. Not that bad, really. See, I can talk about fat people because I was a fat kid growing up, right? And my, my weight's been up and down my whole life. Like right now, I've recently lost about 25 pounds and I'm trying to lose more, but this time I'm trying to be serious about it. No more fad diets and stuff. I'm trying to get serious about fitness, right? And, I, and I've discovered, man, there's all these little factoids about fitness that are so simple and so straightforward, but your average person on the street just doesn't know. They don't know about them, right? They don't know. So, like, for example, okay, a lot of people assume you can't, I guess because they're so expensive, I don't know, but did you guys know that you can actually do those DVD-based workouts, right? P90X, Insanity. Did you know you can actually do those without uh, talking about it all the goddamn time? Did you know that? Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that, man. It's true. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Stuff like that. You know, like, for example, here's a, here's a recipe tip for you. Let's say you make a tuna salad, right? You make a tuna salad... Let's say you just substitute the mayo for some plain Greek yogurt, right? Did you know if you do that one simple step, uh, other people don't give a fuck? Did you know that? A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that, man. A lot of people think you gotta like Instagram it for it to work. It, you don't. You don't. No one cares. No one cares at all what you're eating. People don't know. People don't know these things. This is probably my favorite because of its simplicity, right? I love this one. It's, it's so simple. I mean, if you're looking for a way to improve upon your tofurkey burgers, did you know that you can simply just, just throw them the fuck away? Just throw them away. <laughs> don't eat that shit. Eat a pizza or something. And that was Trey Crowder, recorded live September 25th at The Well, opening for Shane Moss. He had a fantastic set, and it was a very good show. Hopefully we'll have Shane Moss come back in the near future. Uh, Now we want to uh, go over some of the shows that we have coming up in October. Uh, The Rocky Top Comedy Contest is happening October, every Friday in October. Uh, Shows happening the 4th, 11th, uh, 18th, and 25th. Doors open at 7, show starts at 7.30, admission is six fifty in advance, or $8 at the door. You can go to RockyTopComedy.com to find more information about getting tickets, or you can go to Knox Comedy Live on Facebook to find out who's performing on each round. Just click on the Events tab there. Also coming up in October, on Sunday, October 20th, at Preservation Pub, we welcome Nick Shaheen. Nick Shaheen will be closing out the traditional open mic that we have, the Upstairs Underground. And uh, Nick Shaheen is one of the big driving forces behind comedy, the underground comedy scene, the alt comedy scene in the South. He is uh, booking uh, much of Greenville and Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, he has brought a lot of great talent in town. 
Um, also coming up uh, Wednesday, October 23rd, Knox Comedy Live at the Tin Roof in Rocky Hill. This will feature Drew Whitney, Trey Crowder, and Waylon Whiskey of the Black Liver Society. And I will be hosting that show. That show starts at 9 o'clock and it is free to get in. So come check that show out on uh, Wednesday, October 23rd. On Friday, October 25th, we have a big day. Uh, which includes the final prelim round of the Rocky Top Comedy Contest at 7.30 at The Well. Uh, doors open at 7, show at 7.30, just like all the other rounds. And then later that evening, we have the Halloween Costume Comedy Booze Cruise. That begins at 11 o'clock with the boat leaving at 11.30. We have a $50 cash prize for the best costume, as judged by the crowd. And uh, that show will go from 11.30 to 1.30 in the morning. So come out in costume for some laughs. We've got a great lineup of comedians, including Monty Mitchell, who was the winner of the 2012 Rocky Top Comedy Contest. Come out and check out that show. You can go to ComedyBoozeCruise.com or Knox Comedy to purchase tickets. Sunday, October 27th, our third annual Halloween show. This is a tradition we've established here in Knoxville where the comedians dress up like and perform the comedy of one of their favorite comedians. Uh, This year, uh, I will be Mitch Hedberg, so I'll be dressing the part of Mitch Hedberg and doing a set of his comedy. Then coming up Wednesday, October 30th at the Pilot Light, Knox Comedy Live presents Baron Vaughn. Also performing on that show will be Matt Chadorn, Jeff Blank, and Tyler Sonicson. And then, Tuesday, November 5th, at The Well, after Einstein Simplified, we have the Race to the Coffin Comedy Tour, featuring John Dick Winters, that's fun to say, Alex Stepula, Jesse Irvin, Tim Ross, Shannon Norman, and that will be hosted by Jeff Blank. So about 9.30 at The Well, that is a free show. Come out and check out the Race to the Coffin Comedy Tour. And with that, we are going to go out with an interview with Jeff Blank talking about the history of the comedy scene in Knoxville and his beginnings in Knoxville uh, as a comedian. So this is Jeff Blank. Tell me when you began doing stand-up comedy in Knoxville and uh, when that was, where it was, and what else was going on. There was absolutely nothing going on. Um, there was a guy named Kurt Nolan. Uh, there was a guy named Kurt Nolan uh, that had been based in LA and had moved here because of the lady he was with, actually. And uh, he started an open mic that was like a, a, a contest segment where you could win money or whatever. And uh, it was at a place called Julio's Between the Buns, which was a. <laughs> Which Where was not was a gay that? bar, but it was a sandwich shop down in West Knoxville. And uh, he started an open mic there. And I had actually called them just to see when the open mic was. And in the process, they thought I was signing up. So they said, okay, we've got you on for Wednesday. We'll see you then. And just hung up. And so I showed up. And uh, it went for a little while. And the when, idea, when was that? Uh, that would have been... Oh, Lord. That would have been... 2003-ish, give or take, would have been about, about 2003. So that was the first time you ever stepped on oh, stage? Oh, absolutely, and I didn't mean to do it when I did, but I went up, and the first words I ever said on stage, I'll never forget them, were, oh my God, I'm so nervous my balls are sticking to my leg, and I got a round of applause, and I was like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, 
and this must be what comedy is. <laughs> like that was that was the idea. Welcome to comedy. And uh, and I won the amateur night, and then it went kind of went from there to where they had the amateur night there. Um, they tried to do a, a booze cruise, a comedy cruise on the riverboat. Didn't really take. Uh, apart from that, there was an open mic at uh, O'Charlie's on the Strip, which which was kind of a frat sports bar on the, the on campus. And was that around the same time period, like 2003 or 2000? Yeah, it was around the same time, 2003, 2004, and it was a Comedy Zone uh, sponsored open mic. But surprisingly, nobody that did the the open mic, even the people that hosted it, were aware that it was a Comedy Zone open mic. Okay. And then one night they just kind of showed up and were like, "Okay, the people that are doing really well, would you like to, would you like to MC or or do some some work for Comedy Zone?" And they pulled about two or three of us from it, and there were about three to four maybe open or uh, actual comics in town that were doing it to make money. And that was when the Comedy Zone was in the hotel in Paper Mill. No, holiday. no, no. It was before that. It was when the Comedy Zone was at Cedar Bluff. Okay. Where there is a side splurge now. Okay, so like 2007, 2008. Roughly, yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, and so they did. Arch, oh, Charlie's went from like 2000. It went for a while. It went for about two years, I'd say. Okay. And then they shut it down, and then Oh Charlie's actually ended up shutting down within about a year from that. So that was kind of. It was just the business for that bar in general was going down, so they, they shut their thing down. Okay. Um, and it became a comedy zone town because there was actually no other comedy in town other than comedy zone. Did comedy zone have an open mic? They they did, but it was very intermittent, and they also changed. They changed management about three or four times, so it kind of became a thing of. The club itself, from a feel standpoint, had changed so many times that they lost the people that were coming there. A lot of regulars refused to come there because they had fired people or or changed management and that kind of thing. And the last guy that run it kind of he shut down the bar after the show, that kind of thing. So that all the things that would have made extraneous money for the for the club. We're shutting down so that the only money they were making were off the show itself. And so that ticket was it. sales, and that was pretty so, much it. So, yeah, ticket and, sales. And whatever they sold during the drink show. Drink sales during the show. And so they, they they ended up shutting down because they just weren't making enough money. And uh, Now, after O Charlie shut down and it was just Comedy Zone, was there an open mic in Knoxville? There was nothing at okay. all for about three years. Oh, okay. And actually, um, so there wasn't an open mic again until Side Splitters started. Well, the Side Splitters opened up, and then you, Matt Ward, started the the. Uh, there was an open mic at Relics. Is that where it was? At? Uh, was that wasn't that wasn't until 2010. But well, yeah, was that their was, first open mic. Was, did. We did like three of them at Relics. Well, that was the first one other than Side Splitters. Yes, and, uh, as an open mic, yes. So, and I had taken three weeks off, or three years off, or so, two to three years off, because I'd done, I'd done a guest set for a buddy of mine that was doing uh, Comedy Zone, when it was still Comedy Zone. And I ate shit so bad at that guest set that I... You took a it break. It was so bad, and I was so embarrassed that I kind of, like, stepped out of it. And then along with my girlfriend leaving me, and my mother and my, my two grandmothers dying, that it actually just kind of made me drop out of comedy entirely. But then 
after a certain point I realized when was that time when you had that set what was do you have an idea when that time was it would have been 2008 or 10 somewhere in there and was I, it, it was Ian Gatoski. Was the, it Comedy Zone or was it? It was Side Comedy Zone. Zone. So it, it was, was 2008. It was this guy. Uh, it was 2009. Ian, January 2009 is when Side Splitters took over in that spot. Okay, so it was 2008. It was uh, my friend Ian Gotoski had actually yeah. talked them in to let me do a guest spot, and I bombed so horribly, which is so much worse when somebody actually gets you a guest spot, yeah. as opposed to you saying, "Hey, can I come and do a show?" But for somebody to to vouch for you and then you eat shit that badly like it was bad it was real bad so and, with, uh, uh, with what we've got going on now where do you see it going uh, where, where would you have it going so much further in Knoxville with as many open mics and I'll say almost that the amount of open mics is almost a detriment yeah almost too many to the comedy thing I feel like at some point in the next six months to a year Maybe one or two of them will just drop out sure. due to to attendance. And new paid shows and weekly shows will pop up in their place. You know, mushrooms from the pile of shit they were. Yeah. And uh, I think that Knoxville as a town in general, I think if they I think if you if there's a night that is consistently good, and I mean good. I mean, oh, here are the best comics in Knoxville. Here are some of the best comics around as well. I think if there were nights where people knew if they were going to see that show, that they were going to see an amazing show, regardless of if they knew who it was. That's the trick. Is if you're booking somebody that everybody knows the name, then yeah, you'll get people there. But if you're booking someone who doesn't have a name outside of people that care about comedy then you need to have a consistent room, whether it be weekly or bi-weekly, or monthly, but preferably weekly or bi-weekly. I think you have to have that and be able to say, hey, every time you come to see this show, however you brand it, you're going to come and see this show. You're going to see an amazing comic. You're going to see another five amazing local comics. Hey, you're going to go to this show. You're going to walk away from it and say, hey, that was really, really fun. That was amazing. And that's what I want to see again. If I go back to that again, I expect to see that. And if they do it a second time and it's still that level. Again, if you go to a restaurant, I don't care how cool the restaurant is. If the food's not good, are you going to go back? No. No. But if you go, even if the ambience and the fucking server is shitty, if the food was off the chain, you'll go back to that restaurant again and try it out. Yeah. And it might take two or three times of you getting shitty customer service before you would even think about not going back. So you have a little leeway of saying, hey, no, our food's good. Our service gets better. Our service is good. Come here, you'll always get good food. The same concept with comedy. Do you think there's an importance in uh, the Knoxville or I guess greater Knoxville comedy scene growing in terms of helping other scenes grow? Oh, absolutely. Because we're in such a central place. We have Asheville, Nashville, Chattanooga, and Atlanta to some extent all bordered around us. So we've become a very hub city of if you're doing Atlanta. 
and then you're gonna do Asheville, or you're gonna do Atlanta, and then you're gonna Nashville, or you're gonna do Atlanta and Chattanooga, and then Asheville, etc. Um, we're such a good kneecap for those comedy good route. shows, right? So it's such an easy. Oh, I can. I'm doing Tuesday in Nashville. I'm doing Thursday and Friday in Atlanta or whatever. We're such a good go-to to make that money and to make that worthwhile that you lost that day otherwise. And it's shitty that that's what Knoxville would be. But if you keep doing that every time and the crowd is coming and the crowd is friendly and the crowd loves it, then the more you do that, the more that Knoxville as a town sees comic that shouldn't necessarily come through Knoxville. They have no reason to. The more times they see them stopping in Knoxville, the more that they'll go, oh, oh, we're worth this. And oh, these comics that are stopping here are worth watching. Let's go watch them. Let's go see them. That kind of thing. And that was myself interviewing Jeff Blank, talking about uh, his history of Knoxville comedy and his experience with comedy in Knoxville. I apologize for the loud room there, but we recorded that after a very busy, successful Upstairs Underground show at the Preservation Pub. So there was still quite a few people jamming it out in the background, talking it up. But thank you for listening to the podcast. You can follow us at Knoxville Comedy on Twitter or go to knoxcomedy.com for a schedule of upcoming events.